I'm Ellie Flynn, and this is Underworld, behind the scenes of the NCA. This podcast series unearths the murky world of dangerous criminals across the UK and the incredible work undertaken by the National Crime Agency to bring them to justice. We don't give up. If somebody's in our sights and on our most wanted list, we will always carry on looking for them. We will always be interested in intelligence from them and they can never be quite sure exactly what stage our investigation is against them. Most of the fugitives from the UK tend to be people who want to live and hide amongst expat communities. And in many cases, particularly in Spain and Portugal, can drink British beer. Being on the run does have its stresses, even for organised criminals. They can't lead a normal life. They are always looking over their shoulder. And if you now know that even your neighbours and the people who live next door to you may have seen your face on a lorry driving around the streets, that may tip you over the edge. Despite the amount of people that we do arrest here, we still see people coming into similar areas behaving in similar ways. If I look back at, over the records, there's a success rate of something like 80 to 90% of all the people that have been put up have been captured by the NCA or other government authorities over that period of time. So remarkable success. You've got all the yachts here, etc., sailing vessels. Obviously, there's legitimate wealth here, um, but some of it is, is, is criminal. I think the key message for us is, if you're wanted for an offence within the UK, never think we're ever going to stop looking for you. Since the 1970s, British fugitives have been unable to resist Spanish beaches and locals who speak perfect English while pulling pints and serving a Sunday roast. A combination that made the Costa del Sol a bolt hole for Brits on the run. Episode six, Most Wanted. The NCA has offices across the globe but the area still known in the British press as the Costa del Crime remains an important hub for catching criminals and sending them home to face justice. I'm Steve Reynolds. My job title is Regional Manager for the Iberia Peninsula for the National Crime Agency. We work very, very closely with our Spanish counterparts, dealing with all sorts of organised crime matters, all the different kinds of threats that the NCA deals with. And we liaise between the NCA and UK law enforcement and our Spanish partners to investigate crime, gather intelligence about those, those serious crimes and hopefully disrupt those organised criminals. That, that includes uh, drug trafficking, child sexual exploitation and capturing uh, fugitives from justice. For fugitives who decide to set up home on the Costa del Sol, it isn't all about sunshine and cocktails by the pool. There are business reasons for being there too. There are historic reasons why the British criminals were drawn there in the 70s because there was no extradition treaty with Spain in those days, so it was a perfect place to go. But since then, it's evolved a lot. Obviously, we now do have an extradition treaty with Spain, um, but it's still a huge magnet for organised criminality. Undertaking a criminal investigation in Spain is a different process to the UK and is led in the first instance by the judiciary, rather than law enforcement, as Steve explains. In order to get a full criminal investigation underway, we have to have the approval of a judge. If somebody says there's a fugitive on their way, again, there is the inevitable paperwork to be completed. For example, it isn't sufficient to say Fred Smith we think he's committed a crime, he's on his way to, he's on his way to Malaga this afternoon. Our first question is, 
Is there an arrest warrant in place? Is there a red notice in place? Is there a tacker warrant, which is the uh, trade and cooperation agreement? So under post-Brexit, not only you know trade matters, but also law enforcement matters, and established a new protocol for preparing arrest warrants in the European Union. That's, it, we now call that a tacker warrant after the agreement, and it replaced the European um, arrest warrant. So we need to know all that paperwork is in place. Otherwise, we could ask our partners to put in a lot of work, and at the end of the day, there's actually no power of arrest without, without the paperwork in place. A lot of the detailed back office work preparing to send fugitives home takes place in the recently formed Joint International Crime Centre, or JIC. Claire Meehan is a senior manager in the National Extradition Unit. So on a daily basis for me, so I oversee the extradition um, requests going out. So they're requests anywhere really in the world and looking to, once we find them, extradite them back. And we really support partners. It's not just all about us. It's a real collaboration because obviously it's our law enforcement partners. They're the ones that have the cases. Some of them can be NCA. Uh, we even get one from, say, the Environment Agency. It's, it's quite fast, really, about all the different partners and agencies that are actually have an ability to use the Extradition Act to, uh, to find people. And, uh, and yeah, so we're the UK Central Authority and we help to sort of facilitate those requests going out. There's historic ties between Spain and, for example, Latin America, and there's a common language. So the cocaine trade is, is very active um, between South America and Spain. And obviously, the UK is one of the principal users of cocaine. So a lot of UK uh, cocaine traffickers like to go there and do their business. But equally, it's just a nice place for people to live and do their business. If, you, if you're a criminal and you're making good money at it, you want to live somewhere nice. In particular, the British criminals virtually hide in plain sight among the British tourists, the British expats. As many people who would have holidayed in Spain know, there are uh, places where there are British bars, where people can get food and drink and watch sport, for example, on the TV, just as if you were in the UK, except it's nice and sunny outside. NCA staff posted abroad act as a point of contact between police forces and officers back home, plus a network of local law enforcement contacts, a role that's vital for Claire and her colleagues in the extradition team. We use our ILO network, it's our international liaison network, and uh, we've got them all over the world. They're really, really proactive in terms of helping us not only find these individuals, but ensure that they then uh, go through the correct process and then brought back to the UK. We met with an international liaison officer in Spain who took us on a tour of the Costa del Sol from Malaga to Puerto Banús. Yeah, right down the coast, really, from Benalmadena down to Estepona, we see uh, a lot of fugitives ultimately being arrested, uh, along with around Alicante, so areas with a lot of Brits, such as Torrevieja. Uh, we have a few targets around the Barcelona area. We have a significant team. It's one of our biggest teams in Spain, which is a reflection partly of the threat that there is there from different types of organised crime but also the excellent relationship we have with the Spanish. The more resources we put into it, the more success we have. So yeah, we do have a very, very strong team and a strong presence there. And that pays dividends for, for, for the NCA and UK law enforcement. There's a lot of money, there's some flash places, you know, flash restaurants, bars, flash cars, etc. We see businesses on occasion linked to 
British nationals, which can be linked to criminality, money laundering. These kind of areas, they offer a lot of contacts to find somewhere to live, off book, paying cash, vehicles, uh, if you want to launder some money, yeah, access to all the kinds of things you need uh, when you're on the run. Robert Hickingbottom was the senior investigating officer on the Robert Dawes case, which featured in episode one of this series, The Crime Lord. He joined us on our tour. Of course, we have regular engagement with our international liaison officers always in, here in Spain. But when you actually come in person, you get a better understanding of how it all comes together, how it all functions. And we're, we're walking around right now, looking at various different places, residences, businesses, clubs, bars, etc., that I've regularly discussed with international liaison officers over a number of years. But it's different when you sit in person, you get a, a picture of the idea of the, the layout of it. Proximity of different places. For example, we're looking at uh, a certain club and its proximity to a gym, which is very infamous amongst uh, various uh, different people. But to understand the layout of it, the, the logistics, the geography of it, is, is quite useful for me as an investigator. It's a lot more a parochial, if I might say, than perhaps I'd envisaged uh, before just seeing this uh, right now. I see a lot of targets uh, linked to Spanish investigations that are in this kind of area, and then we'll see fugitives around, around that as well. Despite the amount of people that we do arrest here, we still see people coming to similar areas and behaving in similar ways. Yeah, and I guess there is that kind of, I've got away with it, here I am living in the sun, living it up. There's the apartments, you know, even the cars, it's all here. It's a very much of a small area, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's part of the attraction for it because they can frequent bars and clubs together where they are almost their um, part of the community. And they like discussing that because what they need out of it is uh, contacts. Contacts are incredibly important for them as is in any business. But in their, in their world of violence and their world of supply, these contacts are a part of what they need on a day-to-day -day basis to make it function. And they can collaborate here and meet here without the real threat of UK law enforcement being on top of them. That's what they think. But of course, the reality of it is, it's actually uh, a place where we can still do business because we work so closely with our colleagues here. So as an ILO, you work with uh, a range of agencies, law enforcement primarily, obviously in, in, in the country where you're posted. It's about building up that relationship and making sure that um, when we have a piece of work in that country, we can get an operational response. Um, somewhere like Spain, we've worked for them, with them for a very long time got very established relationships. We can go to them with a piece of intelligence or a piece of work and be very easy to get buy-in um, to, to help us with that piece of work and to start working jointly on that, um, both in relation to fugitives, but also kind of across the NCA kind of threat spectrum, if you like. Um, and increasingly, we do do a lot of casework away from kind of more traditional drugs, firearms, areas um, which were probably our initial focus in somewhere like Spain. Most of this is obviously done in Spanish, so we have to have that working level of, of Spanish. Also, it does 
involve contacts. You know, it's like everywhere, things are much easier to to accomplish if you know somebody, if you know if you can if you know the right person to go to for any given problem. And again, that's our that's our job. So if it's if it's a drug trafficking case or if it's a case involving child sexual exploitation, we know the teams. If it's a cyber crime case, we're very heavily involved with cyber crime teams both within the National Police and within the, the Guardia Civil in Spain. So we know exactly who to go to to get, to get things done on behalf of UK law enforcement. Working with the Spanish police means dealing with two different forces, the Guardia Civil and the Policia Nacional. Here's Steve again. Guardia Civil mainly concentrates on rural areas. So if you've ever been on holiday to Spain, you may have seen them there in they're in green uniforms. They're not military. They have a more of a military type look about them because they wear green uniforms and they, they do patrol the countryside areas. The Spanish National Police have a blue uniform and they tend to work and patrol in the urban areas. But we work extremely closely with both agencies, particularly when it comes to fugitives. And we've got an excellent relationship with both and we, we work equally and they're equally as, as capable as each other. At the Guardia Civil in Madrid, we met Second Lieutenant Bruno, a.k.a. Mando, who spends his days hunting high-value criminal targets, which means working closely with the NCA. We have a special relationship with, uh, with, uh, with, with the liaison officers of NCA. I mean, a professional relationship and personal relationship. We work, I mean, I mean I, for, for example, I speak with, uh, with my friend almost every day. And the information they provide uh, us is uh, crucial for the, for the success of the, of the operations. Because uh, we, we can be uh, their eyes and their, their, their arms here in Spain, but the brain is, uh, are, there, are there. Meanwhile, over at the Policia Nacional, Anastasia is the fugitive team leader. I've been uh, working um, this uh, job uh, since seven years ago. So uh, since the very beginning, we had very close relationship with uh, NCA. Uh, we have plenty of cases together and I think that maybe uh, each year more and more cases and we speak mostly, if it's not every day, every week for sure. It's important to do this arrest, to perform this arrest because fugitives, they do not only hide themselves in Spain, but they keep working, they keep uh, with their criminal activities. So it's good for your country and it's good for our country as well. I would say that uh, Spain is not a secure place for them at all because we are working close with NCA and uh, we are uh, aware and we are, yeah, we I mean, we are aware that they are here and we have a good, good uh, intelligence. So it's not a safe place for them. We're very engaged with some of the specialist units here. They, they will come to us. Often there's incidents, disputes between crime groups. We'll see uh, Disputes in the UK play out here between different groups and we'll be working with the Spanish to understand what's happened and feed in, maybe in dispute with other groups, etc. So you'll see British uh, criminals networking with criminals from other countries, from South America, from Holland, yeah, from a range of places to, to, to carry on to do deals, almost kind of like a, a, a HQ, if you like. A lot of the work that lands on the NCA desks in Spain is informed by the work of Crime Stoppers UK, founded in response to the murder of PC Keith Blakelock during the 1985 Brixton riots. To date, the international most wanted appeals have resulted in over 140,000 arrests. 
Mark Hallis leads the organisation. If you look at the number of occasions that this has been run, launched in, you know, started in 2006 and uh, and has carried through right through to the present day, it's still very much a live operation. There have been uh, numerous individuals who have been put up on uh, Capture or Operation Most Wanted, as it's now called. And I think that if I look back at, over the records, there's a success rate of something like 80 to 90% of all the people that have been put up have been captured by the NCA or other government authorities over that period of time. So remarkable success. Over the years, over the 15 plus years that we've been conducting this, it has been extremely successful. But those people who were named on the list of the most wanted are just the tip of the iceberg. A really important part of our job is to find any fugitive for dealing with serious organised crime or other crimes with a particularly high impact, such as, I mentioned, murder. And we work very, very closely with UK law enforcement and, and Spanish partners to capture these people. So we get intelligence on them, we pass that intelligence to the Spanish, the Spanish work up that intelligence, and we go, we go out and arrest them. Uh, just the very last operation most wanted in, in Madrid in January of 2022, there was an individual uh, who was wanted for some very serious crimes called Joshua Hendry. And he was uh, arrested in uh, Andalusia because an off-duty Spanish police officer, the very day that we launched the campaign, spotted his mugshot and then spotted him on the streets and actually effected the arrest directly. So that's not quite how we expected it to work, but what a fantastic result showing that you never quite know how things are going to work out. Martin Brunt is the crime correspondent of Sky News. Crime Stoppers have informed many of his stories and on one occasion provided a notable lead. Within hours of the most wanted appeal, we were following a tip about one of the British fugitives. We'd been told we would find him along the coast in Fuengarola. Matthew Salmon was on the run for two years. He'd been arrested in London on suspicion of downloading indecent photos of children, but had skipped bail and vanished I was abroad. in southern Spain for the launch of an official appeal for nine or ten most wanted. I can't remember how many. And we used to do these things almost on an annual basis. Matthew Salmon was a first aid instructor from the UK, from Croydon in South London, who had appeared in court accused of downloading indecent child images, thousands of them, and had in his possession something like 900 videos, uh, many of which he'd filmed himself at swimming pools uh, of young children. He was a recognised paedophile. He had admitted charges in court, had been given bail and then fled. Uh, and he'd appeared on the most wanted list. He was living in southern Spain, working as an odd job man, and was very popular amongst his clients. Nobody knew his background. We had a caller that, that, that contacted us on the anonymous line. After a while, he, he, he the individual said that he was actually prepared to talk to the Spanish police directly, which we were in the process of uh, arranging, and that happened. And in the end, uh, the individual spoke to the press, and, and Martin Brock from Sky was there. And, and actually, we almost had eyes on as the arrest took place in a car park. Uh, you know, you almost couldn't make it up. So we did this launch one morning in Spain, and it went out on local media, it went out on Sky News and other outlets. And within a few hours, I got a call from a local news agency who had received a tip-off from a, an expat builder who had employed Matthew Salmon to do jobs for him and liked him, thought he was a good worker. 
but was amazed and shocked to discover that he was a wanted paedophile. So he told us where he thought he would be. In fact, he told us that he was living in a camper van parked on a vast car park along the coast um, in a resort called Fuengarola on the Costa del Sol. So we went over there, um, parked up in the car park. We were told actually exactly where he normally parked his camper van at the end of his day's work. And lo and behold, just after 6 p.m., this van trundled into the car park and uh, we very cautiously kept it under surveillance and we saw a man who looked remarkably like Matthew Salmon park up, get out, walk his dog uh, and we took film of him and it was pretty obvious that that was the man we were looking for. Matthew Salmon was arrested, extradited back to the UK and jailed for 30 months. The campaign with the most wanted mugshots continues to capture the public imagination. Harking back to the 19th century, when law enforcement agencies in the American West would use posters and handbills to track down criminals, fugitives and debtors with a simple message. Wanted. Dead or alive. Yeah, that's one thing that's changed since then, the, the, the dead or alive thing. We definitely do want our, our fugitives just captured and put through the criminal justice system. I think what struck a chord with the Most Wanted campaign is that members of the public can contribute. Members of the public who go on holiday or live in Spain don't want to think that the person renting the, the apartment or the villa next door to them is renting it with the proceeds of cocaine trafficking, which they may know is ravaging their streets, their people they know may even be addicted to it. They earn their money to go on holiday the hard way, the normal way that everyone does it. Nobody wants to think that the person next door to them just dealt drugs and that's how they've earned their holiday or even their, their whole lifestyle in southern Spain. So they can help us by responding to these campaigns and it does appeal to people to be able to make a very, very positive contribution. It is the so-called Costa del Crime is the area where we have focused on. There have also been campaigns that have taken place successfully in Cyprus and in the Netherlands, but the majority and the, the key focus of our activity has been Spain. And I think it's because maybe 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, that they could uh, escape there, keep their heads down, and, uh, and their, money, they know their money would do the rest. But it's been great to work with the National Crime Agency to make sure that people are aware that there isn't a safe haven, that uh, they will be brought to justice to account for their crimes. The campaign publicises mugshots online and on social media to get the message out there. But other less conventional methods have proved successful too. In the past, we did a previous Most Wanted campaign where we had advans and we had the, the, the photographs, the mugshots, if you like, of many of the fugitives literally on the, you know, blown up on the backs of, of, of massive vans driving around the streets of the Costa del Sol. That led to one fugitive, Robert Gerard, handing himself in very, very shortly after because he couldn't stand the pressure. Another arrest by the Spanish police involved a name familiar to many in the UK as one of the five suspects in the murder of a British teenager in South London in 1993. Um, one such case was the case of Jamie Acourt, who was wanted for a drugs offence by the Metropolitan Police, but people may know him as one of the people that has been associated with the Stephen Lawrence case. 
But he had a lot of uh, criminal associates in Spain and was able to use false documentation to con uh, conceal his identity. He, he clearly had a lot of support and, and lived a reasonably open life in Barcelona until we and the Spanish National Police locked onto him. Um, and he was eventually arrested and sent back to the UK to face trial. Yes, it uh, was a very important case for us. The arrest was performed in May of uh, 2018, but uh, this case uh, lasted two years and a half. In the beginning, we started to look for this fugitive in the south of Spain, the zone of Malaga and Marbella. But later, um, due to help of NCA, we found out that he was hiding himself in uh, Barcelona, in a luxury zone of Barcelona called Diagonal Mar, with a, a very um, expensive rental apartment. Uh, we had uh, information from NCA that he uh, was going, was visiting a gym uh, in Barcelona. So we started surveillances in the zone when where we thought he was living and the zone where the, this gym was situated. And also we've done investigation with the circle of his friends and relatives. And uh, finally, we managed to perform the arrest in a gym, in central gym in Barcelona. Uh, the guy who was living with the fugitive, he also was fugitive, uh, British fugitive, related with uh, drug trafficking. So we've performed two, two arrests for, for the same case. And the information that led to Jamie Acourt's arrest in Barcelona was thanks again to that close working relationship between the NCA and the Spanish police. Uh, all the time they, they were giving us new intelligent, new tips. Uh, so we have we've been checking this intelligence, uh, the uh, addresses, possible addresses, possible zones that they were sending us, giving us. And uh, so we checked this information and finally we've done the arrest due to this information. Among the many significant cases for the NCA and their Spanish colleagues in recent years was the arrest in 2022 of the Cox brothers, the result of an international cooperation. There are others who again, are the subject of painstaking uh, intelligence work. The cases of Lee and Jason Cox, who were wanted by the Greater Manchester Police for offences of violence and drug trafficking, and they were hiding in uh, Torre Vieja. But one of the things that made that case particularly interesting is that we wanted to get both of them together. We couldn't arrest one or the other because the other one would have then immediately fled. So we saw one, then we saw one of the other or the other one or their associates, but we had to make sure that we had them all at the same time. And that was incredibly nerve wracking because we just needed to hold our nerve Shall we go, just go for one and kind of pocket one of them? Or shall we just hold our nerve and wait until we've got both of them and other associates that we ended up arresting as well? Well, we did that and the, and the Spanish National Police carried out uh, hard arrest against them. They did have a history of violence and, and they, were, they were dealt with with the appropriate level of force by the Spanish National Police who carried out the arrest really, really professionally. They ended up again being extradited and facing justice. 
Cox's brother, it was one of the favorite cases of our team because um, we had a great cooperation with a liaison officer of NCA. We also had judicial cooperation in this case. We uh, were uh, doing plenty of surveillances on the, all the circle around uh, these brothers, uh, brothers Cox, their friends, their uh, relatives. And it was quite difficult doing these surveillances because uh, the people who were related with these guys, uh, they were well trained uh, not to be detected. So they uh, took plenty of security measures during driving cars, uh, during when they were coming to Spain, so it was not easy at all uh, to surveillances fo to follow them. But uh, finally, due to NCA, we've got uh, a new uh, intelligence about a possible zone where the guys might be living. Uh, finally, we found uh, the address where they were living. Uh, the day of the arrest, we've uh, waited for them to go outside to take a car. Uh, they were um, accompanied by other two guys and when the traffic uh, conditions were good we've uh, stopped uh, their car they tried to they were uh, this arrest was quite violent from from the part of fugitive and other two guys they were uh, trying to escape they were trying to to crash police car with their car but finally they they were arrested In August this year, Jason and Lee Cox were handed more than 20 years combined for a string of drug offences in the northwest of England and are now behind bars. The NCA's work in Spain and across the globe continues with the message that no criminal is beyond reach. And central to the work, as you've heard throughout this episode, are those networks of contacts in each country. The NCA has a fantastic relationship with our Spanish counterparts and we think we're, we're quite successful in disrupting criminality and arresting fugitives that, that try to hide there, but they, they like it there and they can live a, a reasonably normal life without having to learn a foreign language because there are enough people there that speak English or are British. And so they, they keep coming despite the, despite the risks that there are to them. At Crime Stoppers, we're here for everybody. So if anybody's got information about a crime, then we will take that information and pass it to the police to investigate accordingly. But where we really come into our own are with the most dangerous criminals, because they're the people who are more likely to have real challenges in terms of people being able to report that information to the police directly. And if they call Crime Stoppers, they know that whether they call us by telephone or whether they send an online form, the process is such that they're not identified. So I, I think it makes them very, very worried. And one of the things that has happened is that they sometimes change their habits as a result of it. They don't know, frankly, they don't know what to do. They think that they're living completely under the radar. Then they see their, their picture in the paper or their name on the radio or on social media. And they, they think they need to respond to that. And sometimes that benefits us. Because of uh, NCA, if we compare it with maybe other agencies from other countries, in my uh, personal opinion, they have very good and strong intelligence. Uh, so uh, right now, Spain is not a safe place for fugitives. We don't give up. If somebody's in our sites and on our most wanted list, 
we will always carry on looking for them. We will always be interested in intelligence from them and they can never be quite sure exactly what stage our investigation is against them. They may make a mistake or they may get fed up with, with hiding all the time. And when they do make a mistake, we're, we're going to be ready for that and we will be there to, uh, to arrest them. If people have any information on any fugitives that are abroad, if the individuals themselves are in the United Kingdom, then they can contact us on 0800 555 one or they can just Google Crime Stoppers and find the online form and to send us that information. But if they're in Spain, then they can also look on the website and find the appropriate form, or they can call us on 900 926 111.